shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he also give us everything else? Who dare accuse us from whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for us, and this changes everything. And this changes everything. I want you to root that in today. And this changes everything. Sometimes there is something that happens that is so powerful and at the same time so outside of our realm of expectation. You know what I mean? That when it happens... We just can't come to terms with it. Sometimes there is something that happens that is so powerful that even when we think we're ready for it, even when we think we know about it, something that we've learned or heard, maybe even something that we've taught, something that we think we believe, something that we think we're rooted in, that when it actually happens, it still catches us completely by surprise. Have you ever had a moment like this? And sometimes when that happens, changes everything. This is what it was like for those women going to the tomb of Jesus that first Easter morning. Let me recap for you the story of Jesus here today. There's this, this young woman or this girl, this teenager in ancient Israel. She's unmarried and her name is Mary. And an angel shows up to her and says, greetings, you are highly favored. You have been chosen by God. What does that do to you? Off the bat? How do you respond to that? Starts telling her about this good news of great joy. Telling her about how God has chosen her and how she will give birth to a king, but not any king, a promised king, a king heralding from a line of ancient past, a king who is going to rule and free his people, Israel, but more than a king. One who will be called the Holy One, 
the chosen son of God himself. Now, it's not bad enough when an angel shows up to you unaware. What do you do when an angel shows up to you and says, you're going to have a son, and you're like, I'm a virgin. You're going to have a son, and it's God's. All right? How did that happen? And then he tells you, and he will cause the rising and the falling of many. He will bring peace on earth and goodwill to humanity. People will hail him Savior. And he will be called Emmanuel because God is with us in him. And as the story unfolds, she gives birth. And from the beginning, there are those who want him dead. His early years are spent as a refugee, having to flee his homeland for fear of his life with his parents in the middle of the night, coming back and being raised in humble circumstances. And what was it like for Mary watching him grow? You know, experiencing what every mom experiences seeing the things that strike him, being amazed before him, having your heart broken by him, being ticked off by him, right? Beyond all belief. Someone who made her laugh. Someone who made her cry. Someone who would fall and get hurt, whose diaper she had to change who got his heart broken as well by the girl he had a crush for, by a close friend who betrayed, all of it. And to watch him grow, to become the man that God said he would be. What was it like then when Jesus began that ministry? Coming of age and going out to this water to be baptized and having the heavens literally rip open. And God himself speaks saying, you are my son. And telling everyone else, listen to him. What are you doing when heaven opens and it talks to you? And for three years going around preaching that God's kingdom was near, heads up. Repent, turn, look, don't let it catch you unaware. Standing up for the oppressed. Teaching with, with authority and wisdom like, like no one else ever had with this deep connection and knowledge of God that was unrivaled. Healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, feeding the masses, calming storms, casting out demons, not even the power of hell, being able to stand against him and then coming into Jerusalem that day with thousands and thousands of people ripping branches off trees and waving them and taking off their clothes their cloaks it's like an Elvis concert right like, like throwing them in the road and he's coming in and they're hailing him the words like Hosanna and king of the Jews the savior has come 
only to watch it flip. Did you ever watch the tables flip on someone just like that? Right before your eyes, everything changes. And even though you think you're ready for it, even though you think you're prepared for it, it still catches you completely unaware. I wonder what it's like for a mom, what it was like for Mary to watch her son condemned, accused of something that wasn't true, trumped up on charges, and condemned because it was expedient. And then to be massacred, to be tortured, to be, to be flogged and nailed up to a cross, to be crucified, to hear him cry out in pain, to watch him take his last breath, and to claim that every inch of the way was done for me and for you. Sometimes something happens that's so powerful that even when we think we're ready for it, when it actually happens, it catches us completely unaware and we have no idea how to respond. And sometimes that thing changes Everything, Because I'll tell you, when Mary and Mary and Joanna and Salome went to the tomb of that Jesus, uh, the, the tomb of Jesus that day, they weren't going expecting resurrection. They were going because Jesus was dead. They saw it. They knew it. They were there when he breathed his last. They were there when he was buried. Jesus was dead. Now, it doesn't matter that throughout Jesus' ministry, he would say things like this to them. You know, I've got to go to Jerusalem to suffer and die. But three days later, I'm going to rise again. It didn't matter because sometimes something happens that's so powerful that even when we've heard it, even when we think we've understood it, even when we think we've come to terms with it, when it actually happens, it catches us completely unaware. Now, I don't know why this analogy comes to mind for me, but it works for me. Maybe it will for you. All right, ladies, imagine that your boyfriend comes home. Imagine that your, your husband comes home and he says this to you. I'm Iron Man. <laughs> All right? Yeah, right? Okay, what do you do with that? That's nice, dear. <laughs> you know? I mean, you expect to see him maybe running around in a cape or something? I, I don't know. What, what, what do you do with that? I am Iron Man. It's like, oh, okay. Is that, like, metaphorical? <laughs> am, I, am I supposed to understand something in that? But then what do you do when you actually see the suit come on and he's actually Iron Man. <laughs> it catches you completely by surprise, doesn't it? Because sometimes, no matter how ready you think it, no matter how many times someone has said it, when it actually happens, it is so powerful and out of the realm of what you expect, 
that it catches you completely unaware. And it changes everything. Now, here at FOF, we believe that God has a message of good news. And this message of good news is not just some information, but it's actually loaded with promise and hope and possibility for each of you. Now, why this good news sounds like bad news on the lips of so many Christians and in so many churches is utterly beyond me. But make no mistake, no matter how fools like us tend to, to warp it, when God says it, it's good news. And this good news is rooted in an event, the resurrection of Jesus on that first Easter Sunday. Because you see, guys, Christianity, it's not a set of ideas. It's not a philosophy. It is not a rule of life. This isn't just some ritual to go through or something to do because we don't like brunch on Sundays. It, Christianity, guys, it's not, it's not like self-help therapy. It's not a political agenda. By certain definitions and looking at it in a certain way, dare I say it's not even religion. It is an event an event that happened by which the world will never be the same again. And an event that for those of us who put our faith in him, thank God, will never be the same again either. Because sometimes an event occurs that is so powerful that it changes everything. What Christianity is, is an event that on that day, Jesus rose from the dead. Ooh, I gotta say it. Christ is risen. <laughs> and those words, if you come face to face with them, will change everything. I mentioned it earlier. We've been following this, this guy named Paul this early follower of Jesus who did not start as an early follower of Jesus. Let me tell you his story now. He describes himself in the pages of the New Testament as a Jew of the Jews, like super Jew, all right? A Hebrew of the Hebrews. They think they were on top. They think they were devoted to God. I was more. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, filled with zeal, trained by the best, and hungry for God, willing to do anything for God. And he knew this movement and it stunk to him. It was an abomination. It was nothing short of blasphemy. That his brother and sister Jews were following this man who claimed to be the son of God himself, a Jew, claiming that he was equal with God, that he was God incarnate, and he hated him for it. 
He hated Jesus and he hated his followers and he bent his life on their downfall. The scripture writers record the story of Paul, then named Saul in his early years, helping weed out the movement. It was like the Jewish SEAL Team 6 going door to door looking for these insurgent Christians dragging them out to be arrested, to be punished, at one time even recorded participating in their murder. You know what Paul was? A terrorist. By every sense of the word. And he's traveling on his way to Damascus one day. Because he's not content to just root people out in his own area. He's traveling even to other countries to root them out there as well. And he comes face to face with the one who changed history. Jesus appears. He appears in his glory. He appears in his power. And Paul is laid in the dirt. And he hears a voice. And what was it like? What does that do to you? when a voice comes from heaven and has this to say. Insert your name. Why are you persecuting me? What are you doing, Paul? What are you doing to me? And he cries out, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now go, because I ain't done with you yet. It is just the beginning of what I have to say. And when Paul came face to face with Jesus that day, something so powerful, something so out of the realm of anything he could have imagined, it changed everything. His life does a flip like that. And he devotes his life to telling people what he saw because he couldn't deny it, what he experienced because he couldn't deny it because when you see the risen Jesus, you are never the same. And he came to rethink everything because what Paul came to realize is that this Jesus was who he said he is, that God has come And God has died, and God has risen again. It is an event that we celebrate today by which the world will never be the same. And for those who come to him in faith will never be the same again either. And make no mistake about this, guys. When we do Easter and we talk about Jesus rising from the dead, you know, we're not just talking about like dying and like your soul going to heaven. For years, that's what I thought. For years, what I thought was, well, yeah, you know, Jesus died and then our souls get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus, three days later, flesh in blood, baby. And I'm not talking just like resuscitation, but boom, you know? I'm not talking like some like, like Night of the Living Dead part eight. It's fully transformed, fully renewed resurrected, raised in the flesh, vindicated, 
to reign. That's why Paul writes this. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? There's no resurrection of the dead that not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, listen to this, our preaching is useless. This is stupid what we're doing right now. If Christ isn't raised, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God because we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And then those who have died in Christ, it's over. They're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. That's what he says. We are to be pitied. Pitied above all people. Because Christianity, you see, is not a philosophy, a rule of life. It is not about self-help therapy or anything else people want to make it. It is about an event that Jesus was actually raised and that in that event, the universe has changed. As Paul puts it, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And for him, it changed everything. Here's why. I love this passage that he writes. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. Amen? Amen. And he will raise us also. Because Christ is risen, you... <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, I baited you on that. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Because the one whose name starts with a J is risen, now you can't say it, right? <laughs> God extends the promise that you can be too. Because this is what Paul discovered. This is what Paul will, will say, what he'll write. That the same power that raises Jesus from the dead, guys, it's the same power that God offers to you. No, I've seen displays of power before. I've seen ideas of power before. But of all the power that you've seen in this universe, have you ever seen the power to raise the dead? But God comes to you, and he says, by the same power that I raised Jesus from the dead, that same power I offer to you. And I tell you, come into terms with that, it changes everything. There's a song that we're going to sing. I'm going to invite the band to come up and the choir to come up. 
but I want to preview it with you because I don't want the lyrics to escape you. You know what I mean? Here's what it says. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up because do you know what resurrection doesn't mean? It doesn't mean that everything is now easy. It doesn't mean that there isn't struggle. It doesn't mean that there isn't pain. But what's the last two lines? We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out because we will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. We have hope that his promises are true. In his strength, there is nothing we can't do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome because the same power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave by faith in him, lives in you. Don't doubt that for a second. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. God extends to you. And when you come face to face with it, it changes everything. I don't know what you came here with today. What doubts fears, what struggles and uncertainties, what, what pain, what loss, what grief, what guilt or shame or weakness or failure. I don't know which of those you came here with today, but I've got good news for you. Jesus is raised, and in him you can be too.